Hello? Hey, can hey, you hear me? Man. Victory at last. <laughs> back, back in the pod. Yeah, dude, it's uh, very much my fault that we haven't participated in this in a little while. Been a little tied up. Life happens. It does. It happens uh, in a flash. I feel like that's a commercial. Maybe it isn't. It could be. Uh, just pay your royalties to me if you do take that. <laughs> so what have you been playing? Dude, lately, I, I honestly can say I don't think I've played anything but The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, over the past two weeks. I think that's all I've played. Oh, it's so good. It's really, really good. I'm playing that. I'm playing that sporadically with my partner. That's so cool. When she's available, which is actually pretty profound because she previously, she's never poo pooed video games. Like she actually thinks they're pretty legit, which has always been nice, but she's never been interested. Right. In this one that's like we started and she was like, you can't play this without me. <laughs> and we have a really good time together. So. Yeah, you were you were talking to me a little bit about it. So, like, what a, what about uh, the the game kind of lends itself to being a, uh, a because it's not a two player game by any means. It's very much like a traditional uh, isolated one player experience. But what about it lends it to such a great uh, game to play with a partner? It's actually really well suited for having somebody else on the couch because you're constantly problem solving and it's so wide open. You have to choose like what next and where you're going like what your priorities are and like how to approach different battles because it's actually got a fairly punishing combat system yes it does i have you been at any point in the game where you start fighting something you go oh i fought one of these before and it hits you and you just die (laughs) yeah because that's happened to me a lot oh yeah oh yeah yep but um so it actually yeah it works really well especially like the puzzles or Man, just running shrines. around meeting people. Those shrines. God, those they're shrines. good. What a great system. And I usually don't like puzzles, honestly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I find I find a lot of video game puzzles to actually be more busy work than intellectually challenging. It's like move this thing here and then move that thing over there and then put this thing right here so then you can go move that thing over there. It's not like... Like, I have to actually think about the tools I've been given to solve this thing. Um, but I can only think of two specifically in uh, Breath of the Wild that have made me feel like, oh, this kind of sucks. I really don't like the mechanics of this. And it feels like they just kind of overcomplicated this, and I'm not a fan. But at the same time, the way that the game is designed for me to use the systems, I was able to break it and kind of do something. And I'm pretty positive the developers didn't plan on and that helped me beat the, the shrine so it's so cool <laughs> it's really really cool that, that like i can say that is like yeah i exploited this game and i i like i bet you money the developers probably expected that and they don't really care right because it's so yep. built in it doesn't feel cheap it feels clever exactly which is nice there's multiple solutions sometimes and i feel like every time i go into a shrine um they kind of lead you on the sense of discovery. So like usually they're built around a certain system. Right. And each time each shrine uses that system slightly differently and you go in saying, okay, 
I think I know what's going on. And then you end up kind of usually going like, all right, I have no clue how I'm supposed to do this. And then by the right. end, you're just like, wow. And you have a completely new way to think about electricity or like the time freezing thing or like the magnetic. I'll thing. tell you what, I, my favorite ones so far have been the ice block ones. Like the ones Oops. that make is ice power. I love those. Pretty ones. fun. So fun. Super fun. My favorite are the ones where actually getting to the shrine and finding the shrine and then once you find it you just waltz in and get your reward i haven't had those yet like like a shrine quest uh yeah i've so i've had had two where i have to uncover the shrine and then solve the shrine and then get my reward nope i've had two um one of them you have to fly to a certain place so like you meet a character and they kind of tell you about um rumored treasure and you have to go and find it and then you have to like you have to figure out like where on the map to go and then you go there and then when you're there you have to find like the hidden shrine and then you just waltz in and get your orb um and a treasure chest and the other one i found and i was like oh i bet there's i bet there's something here and i met someone right he he said he sang a song basically that was a riddle and that oh, uncovered the, a shrine the the bird man yeah cast oh, dude cool yeah i need so i need to get that yeah that's in the tropical region which actually the tropical region has a lot of hidden stuff i tropical region dude i haven't even found that yet yep oh yep. man so it's a very vertical area of the map and so things are very hidden from each other. And actually that's one of the few areas, I mean, I'm nowhere near the full map, but it's one, it's the only area I've ever run into where the tower is not, you know, sky high towering over everything else. It's actually like hard to find. You can't just yeah. like look to the horizon and find it immediately. Because it's just, it's, it's raised to a certain level uh, befitting the environment that you're in. Right. Dang, that's cool. So Zelda is just like one of the most open world games ever. Like by the book definition, open world. Like like as far as open world goes, where it it encourages you to go anywhere, do anything at any given time and not worry about, oh, I need to go do this next or else I'm not going to be able to do this. Like this game is one of those games where it says, go out and do it. Yeah, and you can do it in any order. But the thing the thing that really astounds me about it is, like, if I'm playing a video game lately, I feel like nine out of the ten games I'm playing have that same format. It's very much like a, here you go, here's your thing, go out and do it at any given pace, whatever you want to do, this is the way, you know, you can go do it. And uh, that seems to be a growing trend, so I don't... I guess there's a, there's a key part about Zelda that draws me in and I don't want, I can't put it down. Whereas other quote unquote open world games, I get bored and I'm like, ah, I kind of want to play something else. kind of want to do something else for a little bit, but Zelda, it's very much like, I wonder when I can get back to Hyrule. Um, and I don't know, something about that just really marks me as like, it's a game and a game in a very key game style that just really stands out. Well, I think it's the the direction the industry has gone is triple. 
there's, and I think this is correct, there's an expectation for them to be big and fancy. And that right. basically means open world now. Right. Like, look at the, the, the most recent AAA title that is going to come out this Friday is a God of War, which traditionally has been an on-the-rails, uh, like, uh, assembly line that feeds you enemies to rip in half and butcher. And now it's it's a game where you are an older adult godling leading your child around in an open Norse wildland. And it's like that that has clearly felt the influence of all these different gaming styles since the time that God of War was relevant. And the fact that I can say, yeah, God of War is a pretty solid open world game from what I've heard. That's weird. Yeah, that's got a weird mouthfeel, but it's it's the it's the tendency. It's the way that the the the, uh, it's the way that the industry is moving. But what's weird about that game is it sounds like it's like open world light because it's just like large spaces. It's like instead corridor that you go down, like, say, Call of Duty, it's a wide corridor that you wander down. Exactly. Which. the game you had me playing before I got into uh, Zelda was uh, Dragon Age. And Dragon Age had that same vibe to me. It was very much like a, I've been given this huge area to tool around in. And it's, yes, it is open world. Yes, I can go do this when I want to do this. But it's very much like a, I, I've got this. I've got this boundary. I can't go past this point. I've got this. I can't really do that. And that's not, that's not bad. Like, it's not a bad thing at all. Uh, that game really broken. opens up too. I think it right. becomes more and more open world at the end, like you're popping around to different, different sandboxes and playing. But right, um, it's just super interesting because, like you were mentioning today, how there's basically like open world RPGs and open world action games. Yes, it's a big difference. <laughs> right, like I could I could talk about um, a game like Grand Theft Auto Five, which is um it's kind of the game that pioneered open world games in a lot of ways like without grand theft auto the idea of having an open world wouldn't really have ever been much of a thing you know and but it's definitely not a role-playing game because you're not collecting well i guess you're collecting kind of loot like you're collecting guns and stuff but you're not focusing on statistics you're not creating this wizard of a character you're not doing any of the the traditional rpg things you are just you are just existing in this world and you can go do whatever you want as this specific character that has a story in it. But it's so much more of an action game versus like a traditional role-playing game, if that makes any sense at all. Because you asked that question, I went, huh, I don't know. How do you, why is that different? Yeah, games like Mafia 3, it's like that. Um, you're basically just interacting in a world that's open. <laughs> Like, that's the definition. But then um, I think, like, a step further along the spectrum is are games like Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed. Like, especially yep. not, not counting Origin, but, like, the other Assassin's Creed games are, like, RPG light because technically you're leveling up and technically you're getting gear, but it's just such not an important part of that game. Mm-hmm. Origin, I think, has definitely gotten more RPG. Um, that's what I'd read. It's, like, it's got a loop component to it it's got a uh like numbers numbers you can see when you hit a guy it does this many points of damage which is now it's an open world rpg like that that was what you needed was like min maxing and stuff like that 
So I have to make our obligatory Witcher reference. Oh, the, yes. The Witcher is an open world RPG because you're definitely, even though it's a set character that you're not creating, you're choosing his decisions and his life and like there's loot. You're leveling up your abilities. Um, but I kind of have an issue with open world games. So The Witcher 2 was amazing and it was on, a, on the 360. So the tech was a little right. bit limited. So you basically went, their solution was instead of having one mediocre area, you have a bunch of silos that you go to. So you can't choose which order you go from each area to the next in that world. They're very big, very deep, and you spend hours and hours in each of those. And you move from one to the next. Right. And as you're trying to figure out who's been murdering kings and basically framing you, Within that, you can play around and get your tasks accomplished in any manner you see fit. And it's very flexible, which is kind of the point of an open world game is that you approach things the way that you want. But The Witcher 3, as amazing as it is, I had an issue with it, which is the entire premise of the game when you begin is find Yennefer right now and then they open you up to this massive world and they say, have at it. And then you can go dilly dally. <laughs> you know you what dilly I mean? Dally, like, you can dilly dally for like three years before you go get Yennefer. Like Geralt is not going to be hunting down bandit camps before getting Yennefer. Like he would be doing the bare minimum to get the just enough gear and just enough money he needs to move on immediately. Exactly. Um, so like in that the, game, they're constantly telling you, hey, we need to do this right now. And you're like, yeah, but we don't. Right. Like, because the whole concept of the game is like, yeah, Ragnarok, the end of the world could be happening. But, you know, like, yeah, dude, go swim around for a little but while. I'm going to play Gwent. Go, go, go bang some, some, some broads. Go play some Gwent, man. Play Gwent with literally everybody in this whole flipping country. Like, there's literally like a yeah. Gwent tournament that i'm trying to get into with all these like muckety mucks that i want to make a bunch of money off of <laughs> like this exactly. is not important to Geralt if this was a real situation exactly and that's and i think that's one of the things that like like when you talk about open world rpgs the 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 way you you set those apart and like the really key ones apart is by creating a believable player base where or like not a player base but a believable scenario where the player can insert themselves into a character and have an open world to exist in and feel like everything they're doing at any given time, this thing is, is going towards a specific goal and it feels like it's a journey. And like you were saying, if, if you could pick out any flaw about The Witcher, is that yes, it feels like a journey and a quest, but God does it feel like a quest where I'm like, I binged this for a little while, I'm going to watch something else for a bit. And then right. you can go and like leave that there for whenever you want to per- like peruse it again. So like, that pro- yeah, that yeah. problem would have gone away if they stopped telling me it was a rush. Like if they literally just said Jen or Yennefer went this way, like go after her. Yep. Like you need to find her. I'd be like, okay. But like the fact that they're like, you need to do it right now. <laughs> that's where it falls apart. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, like I'm playing, oh, I'm playing right now and that is an rpg in just like the loosest way and i've literally come to the part where 
so there's like nine sequences so it's like nine chapters to the game i've finally gotten to the part where i really need to start like farming because or grinding because my level is lower than the story missions that i want to play and literally like nothing's different it's just that like my character <laughs> can't, can't fight people who are higher level than him because he gets instantly killed it doesn't matter how good i am i just can't do damage to people too high above me and it's almost like it's completely yanked me out of the story experience right because all of a sudden like you could be steamrolling through people but then nope wait gated level thing like you're not powerful enough yet you can't take this guy it's like did i fall into some kind of weird action movie or cartoon why is my like very capable assassin not able to fight this guy off that he used to be able to kill but this guy's just got a different number over his head right right yep Whereas like Zelda, when you find a place that's difficult or you find like some crazy new enemy you've never run into, it's like a centaur guy. You know, you're like, oh, this is a really powerful dude. I will come back when I'm ready rather than, oh, I can't make it through the story just because some developers put a number gate here. Exactly. And it's and it's not. And it's not a number gate by any means. It's like I view it more as like a like a, like a number uh, a number mark. So like you're you're not trying to reach that to continue with your story. You're beating your own record. You're beating your own uh, abilities and enjoyment of the game and saying like, oh, I've hit this new this new level. I used to be able to uh, like I used to struggle against these little blue guys. Now I can kill each blue guy in one hit. Then I move up here. Oh wait. Now I've got a red guy with four legs and a massive battle axe. That's a little bit different. He kills me in one hit. I need to figure out what to do. And it's like, like you said earlier, it, it creates this sense of discovery and like your own personal journey. That really is what open world games are about or open world RPG games are about, I should say. Right. And like the way that Zelda does it and the way that the Witcher does it, you know, it's like, I remember riding out on the coast, like the rolling hills and the coast mm-hmm. in The Witcher, where it's like sparsely populated. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Oh, my gosh. Too many technical difficulties. It is definitely a disaster as far as things go. So, sorry, I got cut off. I was just, yeah. The coasts of The Witcher are great. We don't yes, need to they- rehash it, but like <laughs> they're so good. People, people can definitely make or break their judgments on it. It's the, the If you've ever played The Witcher 3, you are aware that the coasts are awesome and they've got so much to offer. If you haven't played it, well, you need to get on that if you are into any sort of open-world RPG game, any sort of action game, any sort of story-based game. You need to play it because it's great. Uh, but the coastal regions are just some of the most fun that I personally can remember, in addition to all the parts of Skellige. So... Anyway. Two, yeah, two words. Bandit camps. Yep. You want to experience the best sword play in all video games? That's where you do it. Ride them down, kill them dead. It's the best. True frontier justice. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so, with with that said, and with the fact that we already talked about Zelda, which uh, you are currently enjoying with your partner. I am uh, playing when time and my attention span appropriately accommodates me. 
Uh, one that I feel like if we're going to talk about those two, and we've already mentioned Dragon Age and a couple other uh, open world examples, is the Elder Scrolls Skyrim, which is uh, a game that I've played to the point where I kind of feel embarrassed talking about it with some people. Uh, but I, I feel like you haven't dug into it, and I'm interested to see why that is before we actually start uh, discussing the game at all. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because that came out when I was in college. I want to say like a junior, maybe. That that it definitely was because it came out when I was a freshman. All right, there we go. The, the um, year the year that you and I would have roomed together, you would have had to deal with me playing that game from sunup to sundown. Oh, it would have been a problem because yep. so there were me and two of my best friends. We were all like, "Oh my gosh, Skyrim! It came out. We bought it on release." Um, and despite me being an avid video gamer, uh-huh. you know, a large part of my part of my life, it's never gotten in the way of like school or work or responsibilities or anything. Right. It was just such a time sink and it was so Dude. hard. Like you couldn't really play it in between class because it's yep. in between classes because it's like, oh, well, I'll just run over here and do this thing. But then you get distracted along the way and then boom, 45 minutes are gone and you got to go to class again and you feel like you accomplished it, nothing. It, it's the kind of game where you can say, I'm going to go pick mushrooms. And then an hour later, you're like, wow, I just saved a, a little underground village from like the snow elf terror that's been attacking it for decades like that was not how i pictured my afternoon ago and <laughs> yeah that, now it, i have to now i have to go to work okay never goes the plan yeah so basically like i had one friend who literally like he just he was playing on my friend's piece okay so sorry back up one friend played so much that he just all of a sudden gut checked himself after four days and uninstalled the game yep i had another friend who did not own the game and he convinced the first friend to reinstall it so he could play it. And he disappeared for three days basically, which was fortunately a weekend. And he kind of emerged Sunday night and was like, Oh my gosh, like where did the weekend go? Yep. I need, I need to put this away. So he deleted the game and I was playing the game and I just realized I was like constantly frustrated. I wasn't ever like accomplishing anything. And yep. I was like, I'm either going to have to choose school or skyrim and that's not really a choice <laughs> so yeah, i just traded it back in never try and make nick no that should never even factor yeah i was just like i'm just not able to commit the t- like i just didn't have big enough chunks of time right so it seemed amazing i played if like i don't know six eight hours oh yeah dude you did you barely scratched the surface on that sucker i mean it's amazing yeah there's nothing wrong with it Right. Um, it just didn't fit at the time. And and I completely understand the time sync thing from it, uh, because from my end, it's like Skyrim was very much a game that, yes, I saw that risk of the like the potential risk of, of uh, like just it being just a time suck and me thinking there is no way I could ever put this game down. Like I've started playing. I'm going to be stuck doing this for the next decade, so on and so forth. But Somehow I managed to get out of it. I mean, I, I graduated from college. I, I did very well. I'm, a, I'm an employed teacher and coach now. And still Skyrim drags me back in. Like, I, I got it on my Switch. Uh, I had it on my Xbox 360. I have it on my Xbox One. So the existing state of this game in my video games library, the fact that I own it in three different iterations, it, it it's, it's states to the fact that it's been out for, let's see, 
eight years now going on nine we're coming up on nine years that this game has been released and yeah how about that for for like just dating a game that is still as prevalent as it is today like that game has this this balance between letting you have this open world to do stuff in and creating the opportunity for you to make a character and live like not live in it but just immerse yourself in a game that is so encouraging to you just going in and playing with it like it is a it is a sandbox in the purest degree where you can say you if you've ever thought to yourself man i love rpg games i love being able to play a mage but when i'm playing a mage i really sometimes wish that i could play a mage and if i get bored i can pick up two battle axes and swing them around and bash things in but then i get sick of that so i'm gonna go sneak around as a thief and you can do that all in one playthrough, and Skyrim enables that. So it's a game that encourages you to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, and then gives you, like, honestly, limitless options to do what you want and when you want to do it. Not to mention, if you have a PC or an Xbox One, mods, which are a whole nother ball game. But, like, that combined with potentially the most metal storyline ever written, you, you go to Valhalla it's pretty sick um like it's it's a fantastic game and it has so much going on in it that it's it's not it's not a a wonder that it's considered probably the best video game ever made like on every given front even though it is a janky old masterpiece it's just like everybody still plays it to this day so yeah a side note i've heard that um bethesda's jank basically comes from the fact that they have a small actually and the entire studio yeah their entire studio works on every single game so that thumb like that fingerprint gets passed from game to game and also like there's not enough polish because they don't have enough people but if they had enough people it kind of wouldn't be a bethesda game right it's it wouldn't have that soul that bethesda games have where like yeah you you expect that kind of jank i saw a great uh, tweet the other day where it was uh so in my uh in my head canon jesus is a bethesda character because he got stuck in a t-pose for for a, a day and then uh died disappeared resurrected three days ago and then flew up into the sky and glitched out and <laughs> like and then someone said that's a great idea but then in that i have to agree that todd howard is god and like just that simple um like that simple discourse and just the discussion of like like Bethesda as the jank is part of it. And you have to learn to go, you have to learn to look at it and say, oh yeah, this guy looked at me and said, got to keep my eye out for them dragons. And then he gets eaten by a dragon. That's just part of the, the stupid design elements that accompany a game that is as massive as Skyrim is because it is massive. And I think very few games come close to hitting the scope that Skyrim does. You know, oh, it's, in- it's incredible. It's yeah. a ball of, it's a ball of string and there's all these yarns or like strings of yarn and you can just pull on any of them and like just string together your own story it's and, and any one of them and then the, the fun part any one of them might be so frayed that if you pull on that ball of string it's going to rip and fall to shreds and then you're going to go well, how did that happen and then go back and try to pluck another string yep exactly and it's and it's crazy that that's the way it works but uh and i feel like we're we're talking about a game that if you play video games, you have undoubtedly at least tried Skyrim. So it's all, it's probably beating a dead horse at this point. But yeah. 
is just I feel like when we talk about new open world games and even when we talk about, for instance, I've been sinking time into a game called uh, God of War, uh, but it's also pseudo open world, pseudo kind of do your own thing, very RPG-esque. And whenever you play these games, you have to think about, okay, uh, Skyrim comes to mind. Like, oh, you know, this is pretty, this is a badass game, but man, I wish I could climb that mountain. And Skyrim is the kind of game where like, yeah, dude, climb that mountain, do it. Bet you won't. And that's that's just kind of a cool approach to doing a game. So so much fun. Yeah, yeah well, king of open world RPGs, Skyrim. It, it, really, sure. it really is. Well, we better put a bow on this episode before we start trading Skyrim War stories and end up with an eight-hour mega set. Yep, that'll happen. That'll, that has happened before. So open world RPGs. I'd say that's probably my favorite genre. I hands down agree. If, if you want to like tack on games that really snare my attention and get me to come back and keep playing open world rpgs are the ones that really take it uh that's part of the reason why zelda i play it religiously why i'm still playing skyrim uh why i've done two playthroughs of the witcher at this point um why dragon agent like cooked me for a little while just like i like the idea of being able to go around and explore and live in a universe that someone wrote and really dedicated a lot of time to so it's incredible yep all right. Well, that's another episode. Sounds Signing good, off. man. All right.